Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Woodstock, Georgia, it's time for Cherokee Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Cherokee Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this morning. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Alma Coffee, sustainably grown, veteran-owned, and direct trade, which of course means from seed to cup, there are no middlemen. Please go check them out at myalmacoffee.com and go visit their roastery cafe at 3448 Holly Springs Parkway in Canton. Ask for Harry or the brains of the outfit, Leticia, and please tell them that Stone sent you. You guys are in for a real treat this morning. First up on Cherokee Business Radio, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Lake City Branding, Mr. Brian Pruitt. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Thank you for your uh, invite to be a part of this. Well, I am delighted to have you. Of course, I have a real affinity for anything, sales, marketing, promotion, anything that's going to help the business person and particularly the small business person get the word out about what they're doing, get some visibility out there. So uh, I really appreciate what you do. Can't pretend to understand how to do it, but I don't have to. I can I, I can call you, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so do tell us a little bit about uh, mission, purpose, what you envision yourself out there trying to do for folks. So I'd like to be that uh, person that's um, helping that small business get their word out and getting them to draw their customers to them. Uh, I've worked for several different folks around the metro Atlanta area in, in different capacities, mostly in the sales and marketing aspect of it. And they just, uh, I'll be honest, they were crooks. They said things that they didn't they didn't mean and they didn't do the job they said they did. And, and I don't want to be that person. I've seen what not to do. Um, I'll just give you a quick example, if I can, of yes, one. Yes, please. Um, we had a sales slick. I became this this company's. I won't mention any names, but I became this uh, sales, uh, this company sales marketing uh, sales director, and ran a contest for some of our clients. And during the holidays, um, part of the numbers were cut in half for this particular product. And I didn't know that until I talked to the circulation manager. It's just a little hand. It was a newspaper, um, but. Come to find out when our sales slicks told everybody that we did 120,000 circulation, and I find out at the most it was 12,000 circulation. That's a big deal. I didn't know. So I walked in the next day after finding that out and handed my resignation. And when I was asked what I was doing, I told him I wasn't going to lie to customers anymore. So, um, and unfortunately, I had a little streak there for a while who worked for a lot of uh, business owners who just didn't do what they told the customers they were going to do. Yeah. So uh, I want to be the person who is uh, honest, reliable, and getting the word out for that small business to help grow their business. So I got to tell you, and I'm sure this is no surprise to you, as a small business person myself, you know, I run this little studio here in Woodstock, and I also work for the network trying to help grow um, grow our presence across the country. Uh, this whole idea of advertising and marketing, it's, it's an elusive creature. It's, it's, it's a little bit intimidating. We, we so often find ourselves at the mercy of someone who purports to <clears throat> know how to do everything from social media to direct advertising and all that. Um, what do you do? What can you do to set a person's mind 
at ease and get them in, in a space where they can collaborate with you to, to create a productive campaign. So uh, I love to sit down with the owner and hear about their story and what they're trying to do and what their business is. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I'd like to find out what they've done in the past, what seems to work, what doesn't work, and then put together a plan for them. Um, I've done everything from selling for advertising to newspapers to magazines. Uh, we're doing direct mail to events, that kind of stuff. And there is a little bit of good in every single one of those. I think a lot of people don't understand the difference between marketing, advertising, and branding. It all kind of kind of comes under one umbrella, but there is a difference. Uh, you know, marketing is uh, refers to any activities undertaken by a company to promote and buying or selling of a service. Um, and you've got the four P's of marketing, which is, you know, the, the product price place and promotion. That's the one thing <laughs> I got a marketing degree and that's why I'm pretty good at table tennis and pool. Cause <laughs> I didn't pay as much attention as I should. That's the one thing I remember is the, is the four P's. Yes. Is, that, is that still valid? Does that still have a place it, in our framing? It does. It does. You know, and, and then if you go in to look at the, the, the advertising aspect of it, that is the active practice of calling public attention to one's product, service, need, and especially by paid announcements in newspapers, magazines, radio, television, billboards, etc. There's just, I could go on and on. Yeah. Branding, um, falls under that and that's when you you know you put your logo on shirts hats pins different things to give away and i also believe that nowadays print has gotten to the point where it's not just advertising you're still branding yourself because a lot Mm. of people don't unless it's a local magazine local newspaper people that keep um they say print is dead it's not totally true but you're branding yourself you know, people see that logo in the in a magazine and newspaper, and they remember that after reading it all over and over. When you hand a business card to somebody, you're branding yourself, right? And and I I think I heard someone say not too long ago, right in the studio, that you're branding whether you want to or not, right? <laughs> right, like twenty four seven. If you go to <laughs> any networking event, brandy, right? you go to any networking event, you're branding yourself, right? Right, you're you're sales because you're selling yourself, and I think that's what's important to understand is that. If you're working for somebody and trying to do sales, or if you own your business and doing sales, you're selling yourself. Yeah, you've got to establish one relationships. Relationships is huge in this industry and in sales of any kind. Yeah, and you know if you don't establish that relationship again, that trustness, you know, trusting somebody to do what they say, and then not doing it. Your relationship's dead. Well, we were talking about this before we went on air. You and I are both part of the Woodstock Business Club, and uh, and, and and I've I've written business as a result of that. But maybe just as importantly, if not more so, there's a plumber, there's a video guy, there's a business attorney in there that I have come to know and trust, and enough to use them myself, but also. If you or our other guest, John, that we'll visit with here in a little bit, you know, said, hey, do you, do you know a good plumber in the area? I, without hesitation, you got to talk to Justin. He's the guy, Red Tail Plumbing. I, and I, I know, I just know Justin's going to come through. Those relationships are, I mean, they are so critical. It, I knew that to be true in the consulting, training, speaking world, because that's the world I came from. But it's obviously true across the board, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, one industry that I find, there's three industries that I find very hard to really give good recommendations, referrals to because everybody in the world does them, and that's real estate, mortgages, and, and insurance. 
Uh, you know, so I've got yeah. friends, good friends, multiple friends that are in all three of those and have multiple relationships with multiple people in those things. So I always tell somebody, well, who am I going to tick off in that industry? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it comes down again to um, a good relationship. Some of those, like uh, I just came from another networking group where they promote collaboration over competition, mm-hmm. right? So somebody who, let's just take a mortgage broker, may not be able to do something that another mortgage broker can do. So they refer right. that back and forth. I think that's what you, you know, if you refer your friend and he can't do it, believe and understand that he's referring you at somebody else you can and will take care of you. Right. So again, that's the relationship part of, you know, uh, understanding that you're not going to refer somebody who's just going to come in and not take care of you, rip you off, you know, do anything that's going to hurt you. So over the years of doing this, I, I got to believe that you've seen people make some of the same mistakes. Like you've seen some patterns. Uh, is that accurate? And if so, can you, can you share some of those patterns or some of those do's and don'ts when we're thinking about using services like yours? I think probably the biggest mistake, and it comes down to even part of um, the printing aspect because we do commercial printing as well. Mm-hmm. And it comes to the fact where they make the mistake of going to somewhere who's not local, meaning like Vista Print, going online and buying their stuff. There goes my Vista Print sponsorship, John. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, and 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 because they think they're they're less expensive, that's not always the case. Why you should do business with that person or that company? Right, right. You know, if if there's a mistake to be made, keep them on Vista Brand. If there's a mistake to be made, and you call them, you're not going to be able to talk to anybody. Right. When you got somebody local, you can talk to somebody, figure it out, get the that the issues fixed, whatever the case is. The other thing that I think about is. Um, the, the other mistake that I see all the time when it comes to marketing is that when a business says, well, I've got to cut costs, the first thing they cut is marketing dollars. Yeah. And that's the worst thing you can do. Right. Because you got to keep your name out there. you got to keep your brand out there. You want your customers still to come. Um, the other thing when it comes to marketing and people say, well, I'm just too busy, don't stop your branding because, yeah, you're going to want customers and everything. But if you're too busy and but you need to hire some help, why not brand yourself by doing a help wanted ad? So you're keeping your name out there all the time so people to see it. So and this doesn't have to cost a fortune, right? If you if you just eyes wide open, just build it into your budget even if it's a a, a percentage of your of the, of the gross receipts you're bringing in, maybe just right off the top put in that Branding bucket? Is there some wisdom in something like that? Yeah, I think that uh, if you do just like your personal budget, if you set aside a certain amount every month right. to go into that, then you can build a pretty decent you know, plan, and a small business can build a really good one with just the local vendors in the media that can help them grow their business. Yeah. So what is your favorite part? What, what do you enjoy the most about this work? the networking i love being out. i'm yeah. a people person i love getting out i'm gonna have to tell my somebody tell me that uh i'm like santa because i'm everywhere they see me everywhere <laughs> which um, again that's a that's a i mean I, I realize that you enjoy it but that's just good solid mojo that's good branding strategy right right and they say i'm built like him too so i got that jelly belly just like him <laughs> so um but the other thing too is it's been joked around and, and i've actually made some business cards up with this that i'm the leader of the networking posse for a while there, I took two guys around with me, and they, all we did was network together. So they branded me the 
leader of the networking posse. So I tell people all the time, if you want to go with me, I'll keep you busy networking. I'll introduce you to folks. Um, but that's my favorite part. Well, I got to tell you, networking, I personally always found uncomfortable, did not do very much of it in my former career, even when I was trying to market to a, a local constituency. Uh, I don't mind it now. In fact, I enjoy it more because I can invite people to come on my show, like instead of trying to sell them something, right? So that, so I enjoy that. But what, uh, what tips, counsel, if any, do you have on, I don't know what the right word, working the room? You know, like if you go to a Wichita Business Club or a Canton Business Club or the Chamber, is there, are there some do's and don'ts or some, some, some good tactics, strategies for that? Yeah, so the first thing is don't go in and try to hand your business card and sell to every single person. <laughs> and every room has that guy, right? Yes. <laughs> right, John? Right. <laughs> yes. Um, the other thing, too, is you're not going to be able to meet everybody. So what I've been taught and learned is – you try to talk somebody, be nice, but listen to what listen is listening is key. Yeah, to to what they do, and if you think one, it's going to benefit them that your services can offer, or you know somebody else that they can benefit from knowing. That's that's huge. I've taken the approach this year. Twenty twenty two has been is uh, what I'm trying to do in networking is do as many one to ones, establish the relationship, yeah. and not talk about Brian, but listen about Stone, listen to their story. And then how can I help them? If it if I can help them in, because of my business, great. But if it's because I can introduce them to John, then that's what I'm going to do. I'll tell you who should do like a training video on this. It's just This is just the way this guy operates. You know him, Rudy Garza, over yep. there at Woodstock Business Club. You'll really have to press to get the man's name in his business if you're meeting with him. He is genuinely listening to to uh, what you who you are what you do why you do it and he is wired to say oh you know what you need to meet bill i'm gonna i'm gonna have i'm gonna connect you with or he'll walk you if you're in the room he'll walk you over there you don't hear him say anything about insurance or i bet he writes more business than anybody in the right. room right he is a living example of what you're describing and act, candidly so many in that crowd are are um are, are that way okay so let's get a, a little bit tactical here for a moment because i i get the very distinct sense that working with you is not uh not hey stone i'll mail you my catalog <laughs> right right i mean you're a I, I, you tell me if this is inaccurate i get the sense that you're essentially a marketing consultant and and some of the tools that you have available to help me achieve the objective might be promotional products or or some of these but speak more to to that yeah so i haven't uh we started part of this business back in June, just the Lake City part. Okay. okay. All right. Um, we had a magazine up till then that we covered high schools in Bartow and Gordon counties. But to answer your question is part of my business model for this is, yes, I wanted to be that consultant and go in and listen to the business owner and then tell them, you know, whether you're using us or you're using um, the family you know, magazines or mm-hmm. the Mary Daily Journal or whatever the case is, let me look at what you're doing, what you've done in the past, and then let me see if I can put a plan together that makes more sense if that's going to be the case. Um, because, again, I've worked, I've done sales for different print media, uh, done, you know, some things in the sports world and realized that, hey, that you might want to sponsor this team because that's going to be big for you and your business, right. that type of stuff. So to answer your question, that is correct. I also have worked for a media buying agency, and, and most people don't understand what that is. Um, I want to go in, listen to them, and, and, and instead of 
well, I'm maybe on top of putting the plan together. Let me be the person that's going to all these different media vendors and work on a plan with them so you're not having to directly deal with them. Let me do that and might be able to even negotiate a better price. Yeah, I wouldn't have the first clue about how to buy media. And we don't sell ads in our particular business model. But, yeah, if I were to buy, I would screw that up nine ways to Sunday. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you have to be able to understand and know different aspects and different vendors from billboards to radio to cable tv to right. you know, all the different stuff so there's a lot to go into it and most people most business owners you asked about mistakes early most business the other mistake they do is try to do it all themselves <laughs> let, let, let somebody come in and you know and spend the money brian has uh, covid affected your business or other businesses in the last year yeah well that's why we had to shut our magazine down because mm-hmm. we couldn't get the advertising mm-hmm. so we had to rebrand ourselves i see well, it's 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 impacted us some. Too. In some ways, it actually helped us. Um, we uh, we started doing more virtual interviews because people didn't want to come in the studio. It's not the same thing by any stretch. It's not anywhere near you know what we're doing right here. Uh, but it did. It still gave us a way to serve, and it did expand one segment of our of our market. But yeah, it's it's impacting it's uh, impacting everyone, I think. One thing that I have learned from this business, uh we were t- briefly talking and joking before about direct mail. Um I was one of those guys who thought direct mail was junk until I got into the business and found out how huh. how it can be definitely effective and um only because we've come up with I guess you could say it's our baby, but it's called a billboard postcard that we mail to 5,000 homes every six weeks and rotate the areas. And there's 20, 25 businesses on there. Right. And, and when it's, it's really cool to know when your, your product works because you have a client call you back and say, when's your next mailer? Cause I just got four clients off this thing. Oh, sweet. You know, so um, if it's done right, if it's got somebody who can do it, my business partner has been doing it for a while. So he knows, right. does all the paperwork and we take it to the post office for you and all that. It can be very effective, but you, the key to that is to having a very good call to action why should that customer call you? Right. Um, now, granted, with ours, it's a little kind of being innovative because uh, the ads are basically a business card size or two if they do double mm-hmm. spots. So we put a QR code on top of the uh, in front uh, on the front of the card. So when a person gets it and they scan it, everybody who's on that card has has some kind of offer. Mention this ad, get ten percent off, or whatever the case may be. So you have to be creative too. Um, yeah. But. Um, I was just thinking, you know, about people who talk about direct mail and it doesn't work. And it may be because you're not hitting the right customers. It may be because the right person's not doing it or the message isn't right. So, um, but yeah, so I, I, I enjoy being able to be creative and helping others. I can tell. I know it comes through in your voice. I can see it in your eyes here in the, in the, in the studio. So do you find that there is a distinction in many cases in what's going to be an effective strategy for, uh, business to consumer type businesses or retail versus b2b business to business yeah i mean a lot of folks that we've talked to we are now getting ready to actually kick off a one of those billboard postcards to five thousand business for business to business customers okay um because the message is 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 different obviously if you are a um uh, let's just take an hvac customer who wants to hit your residential Right. Right. An HVAC for a commercial is going to be, you've got a bigger building, you've got different aspects. So your your message is going to be a little different. Um, IT companies, they're not going to promote residential because 
I mean, yeah, they could work on computers, but that's not what they're there for. Right, right. So they're going to go out and they're going to try to do some kind of um, add to the business owner of why let why letting me take care of your IT is important, you know, and stuff like that. So you've got, again, got to be creative on that. But, yes, there are different ways to to work with those and, and get the, the message out there to different customers. I believe that answered your question. Well, yeah, well, but what I think I hear you saying is the, so many of these tools and resources can be utilized effectively in both of those arenas, but it circles back to working with someone that has the experience, has some uh, some real knowledge and expertise in the arena, can make the distinction and make the yeah, I, what I will say, too, going back to the direct mail piece part is, you know, when you talk to somebody about doing social media and digital marketing, they can talk about how they can target, right, mm. your IP address, mm-hmm. your, your income. Um, I don't know that most people know that you can actually do that with direct mail. We, I had somebody who No, was, no, I can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds like you can. <laughs> we can. We can help you with that. Right. I had somebody approach me and ask me. They were doing the uh, Alzheimer's walk for the Rome area back in the summer. Um, and they asked if there was a way for us to target people who've donated to Alzheimer's in the past. We actually could, we actually found that. Oh, wow. Uh, we wound up not doing the mail piece because it was a little out of their budget, but we, the, the point is we can find, we can find anything too and do a direct mail piece for that, just like you can on digital. Now, do you guys, uh, work with promotional products like the hats and the pins and the, and, and, and that kind of stuff are like this little messenger bag I have here in the yes, studio? Yes, we the can. Lo- you, you, or you have someone that you bring in for something like that? Or yeah, we can, we can get it done for you, whether we have right. to outsource it or whatever the case is, we can get it done. Um, the funny story, when we started doing this back in June, um, and we met with one of the vendors we were going to work with, uh, we learned real quickly what the hot seller was back in the summer, and uh, I won't go because I know this we're, we're on air, but condoms was the big seller back in the summer for hotels. All the hotels were buying it up, putting their <laughs> logos on them, and keeping them in their rooms. So we can literally put your logo on anything. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, it's it, it sounds like it's not. Hey, you know, let's just let's go to Brian and order some more books or hats or t shirts or whatever. Yeah, make that call. But you're more the the quarterback and strategist, and if that fits into the strategy, great. If right. not, and let's let's you know. Uh, Make sure that we take into account the budget and, and plan accordingly. You're, I, I see you as, as a much more of a strategic resource than a promotional vendor. Is right. That, yeah. Is that the, the other thing, too, is well, one of my jobs that I was able to have was I was and blessed to be able to have – I'm a big sports person. Okay, so, but this particular job that I was uh, that I had allowed me to have and get introductions and maintain relationships with a lot of retired sports athletes who live around the areas. Yeah. Um, and what I'd like to do, which I've not been able to do yet, and I've talked to some of these guys that they would be willing to do it, is again along with the budget of a small business owner, but let's do a smaller scale of a Tiger Woods and Nike. Let some of these athletes who live in the area, whether retired, you know, or whatever, yeah. let them promote that small business and see where it goes. Fun. So I got to ask, I think I know most of the answer based on the conversation so far, but I, I, I got to know, man, how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for you work for Lake city branding? Do you find yourself eating a lot of your own cooking or how do you get the new business? All networking. Yeah. I, I was just talking with somebody last night and talking with my mom and my wife as well, that I've been blessed enough to, all of the business that Lake City has gotten, 
I have not had to do one cold call. Wow. Uh, I've done some cold call emails here and there, but the 95% of the business has come from networking. Yeah. And that, and that relationship yep. building as a, as a product of the network. Right. Uh, so you have so much energy and your enthusiasm is contagious. So I suspect this doesn't happen very often, but I, you know, I, I've been around people my whole life. So I know sometimes <laughs> you must run out of gas uh, and you got to recharge. Where do you go? For uh, and, and I don't necessarily mean a physical location. It might be a, you know a book or whatever. But where do you go for inspiration and to kind of get recharged and, and and ready to suit up and and show up again? So I spend a lot of time with my family huh? uh, in the evenings, and then also hang out with friends. Uh, we do some of us go and do trivia one night a week. I used to host trivia, but I go play it now instead of hosting. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just that time with friends and family that that re-energizes me and and then the other thing too is thinking back about people that i've helped in the past that's got to feel good right yeah yeah so what's next man what where are you going to be putting your energy in the next several months are you looking to grow the business to scale it to replicate you or are you just going to hunker down or what are you going to do if i could clone myself that would be great but scary at the same time (laughs) um but yes, I, I want to grow this business. I need some. I need some sales help right now. The okay. other thing that I want to do is I want to actually get back into some charity event planning. Ah. Um, back in September, we actually um, I partnered with somebody and we put on a a business expo in Cartersville, which was the first business expo in Cartersville in five years, uh-huh. and got fifty two vendors. And what I did was I wanted to give a portion of the proceeds to the Tranquility House, which is the battered women's shelter there. In, Bartow County. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we were able to hand a check for $2,000 to them. Oh, nice. So I want to be able to put on events like that and be able to spread the love of different charities because there's so many out there that do good things that are local and small that people don't get to hear about. Um, so that's what I want to do and, and add to Lake City. Well, it's a conversation for off the air, but I really would like to, to sit down and course you know i'd like to do it over a beer that's my stuff but we'll do it over coffee if you want i'll do it over root beer How's okay that? that sounds good uh but one of the things that we would like to do here locally for cherokee business radio um i would like to, to start having a, a regular uh influx of people who are running nonprofits and are managing these causes i don't feel like they they get a lot of attention i, I don't think most traditional media are probably knocking their door down saying, come and talk to us about your mission and right. purpose. And um, so I'd love to sort of tap into that world and I don't know, maybe even set up a monthly series or, or something. It sounds yeah. like maybe you've got some inroads into that world. Definitely. We can yeah. definitely talk about that. All right. If our listeners want to learn more, want to have a conversation with you or, or someone on your team and, and talk about any of this or sit down with a root beer and just kind of think through where they are and where they'd like to be with their, with their marketing and, and their branding, uh, what's the best way? Let's leave them with some coordinates, whatever's appropriate, LinkedIn, email, phone, whatever, website. So our website is uh, lakecitybranding.com. You can go there, and there's a contact us form there. Uh, I'll give you my email. It's brian, it's B-R-I-A-N, at lakecitybranding.com. You can follow Lake City Branding on Facebook, uh, and you can look me up on, on LinkedIn as well. So, Fantastic. Well, it's uh, – been an absolute pleasure having you on the show this morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, keep up the good work. Hey, how about hanging out with us while we visit with our next guest? Absolutely. I'd love to learn more about John here. 
Fantastic. All right, next up on Cherokee Business Radio this morning, we have with us Managing Director for Asset Location and Recovery International, Mr. John Quirk. Good morning, sir. Stone, good morning. Thanks uh, for inviting me. Oh, what a delight. This is fun. So uh, what'd you learn in that last segment, man? Anything you can take away down to your, back to your business? I learned we need Brian and we need Lake City. I can tell you that. <laughs> we, most of our uh, business comes from word of mouth, but we want to grow our business. And I'll tell you, I am definitely going to get together with Brian Pruitt. All right. And we'll talk about my commission on that later, Brian. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> So, so John, Mission, Purpose, Asset Location, and Recovery International, tell us what you guys are up to out there. Well, we locate and recover assets taken as a result of financial fraud, and that means investment fraud, divorce spouses, and so on. Uh, we locate assets locally through our sister company, Spencer Investigations, which is a licensed investigative agency. My business, which is Asset Location and Recovery, focuses on all the overseas banking havens. So we locate money in Bermuda, Jersey, Isle of Man, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, Cook Islands, and so on. We've been doing this for 20 years. We locate the money, and we recover the money overseas. So you can hide your money, but you can't hide it from John. No. In most countries, uh, we're able to find uh, find the money and uh, recover it. Every country is a little different. Switzerland's different than Panama. Bermuda's different than uh, the Cook Islands or the Cayman Islands. But you have different kinds of terms, and we use different remedies to recover the money. Okay, I got to know what's the backstory. How in the world does one get in this line of work? How, tell us a little bit about your career path and how you landed here, man. Well, I worked in the intelligence community for thirty-five years. I lived uh-huh. overseas. I lived in Russia, Venezuela, Turkey, Yugoslavia, uh, France for many years. My wife used to say, "I've been thrown out of every decent country in the world." <laughs> uh, and we're all former FBI and CIA. And we use intelligence tactics, not so much law enforcement tactics, to recover the money. We use financial databases and sources that we have overseas that are either lawyers, uh, sometimes criminals, standard chartered accountants, in all of these different venues to help us locate the money, how the money got there. We're a member of SWIFT, which we use to trace money, wire transfers, Mm. and we're able to obtain documents to support lawyers that are involved in litigation in this country or law enforcement, Mm. international law enforcement, that's looking for money as a result of money laundering cases. So is fraud more prevalent today than several years ago, or is it just on my mind because I've been watching the, the uh, season four of Ozark? No, fraud, <laughs> fraud is uh, booming in many, many areas. We used huh. to have a fraud database. We had 100,000 fraudsters listed in it. Oh. There's different kinds of fraud. There's senior fraud. There's investment fraud. There's fraud now by a divorced spouse hiding money overseas and abandoning children and spouses in a divorce setting. And uh, what people don't realize is that fraud really undermines democracy. We talk about, you know, terrorism, and terrorism gets a lot of play. But draining money, we've had tremendous fraud in COVID, 
Billions of dollars mm, have been lost. Mortgage fraud, investment fraud, all kinds of different fraud is is really draining money out of d- democratic countries. So are there things that we as individuals, uh, heads of families, business owners, are there some just basic blocking and tackling that we can and should be doing to insulate ourselves a little bit from being easy pickings for yeah, fraudsters? Yeah, it's a good question. I th- what took I tell, me a minute to get it out, but I thought it was a great question. Yeah. What <laughs> well, what I usually tell people is that in the beginning, do a background check on somebody. Just because they said they went to the Wharton School of Law or the Wharton School of <laughs> Business, or just because they said that they're very liquid, uh, doesn't mean anything. There's so many yeah. different kinds of fraudsters uh, we have so many people in prison and so many people probably that should be prosecuted. And there are so many different kinds of frauds, small frauds, large frauds. We do mainly uh, large investment frauds where people have invested money yeah. in Ponzi schemes or pyramids. And because there's more of an educated information base on how to hide money, more people are putting money in Switzerland, Bermuda, Panama, the Caymans, and so on. And that's those are the banking havens we target. Uh, for 20 years, I used to do an annual trip. I'd go to Guernsey, which is an island off the coast of England. I'd go to the Isle of Man, which is a banking haven off the coast of Ireland. Then I'd go to Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, Cyprus. Wow. I'd fly out to Hong Kong, Macau, and so on. And there's some of these countries that no longer uh, are really banking havens. People no longer put money in the Bahamas. They no longer put Hmm. money in Hong Kong because of the situation. Panama is not a good place to put money. Caymans is a very, very top place to put money. And different ethnic groups hide money in certain places. Ah. Like you've heard a lot about Nigerian and West African frauds. You know, (laughs) they they send these letters through the mail. They like Guernsey. Canadian Uh, fraudsters like Bermuda, okay? Americans usually go to Switzerland or Liechtenstein if they have a lot of money. So we find money, whether it's in a trust, stock account, bank account, or intermingled Swiss technical fund, a Swiss management portfolio account, it's called. Mm -hmm. So those are all of our targets, basically. So what makes these places havens? Is, is there a degree of privacy that you're afforded there that you're not afforded like in a typical American bank? or what? Yes, they call it banking secrecy, but in Switzerland there really is no more banking secrecy. There's okay. only a couple places really that are super secret that are even difficult for us to find money. Let's don't tell them about those. Okay. <laughs> Unless you so, want to. I mean, so, well, it's not a big secret. Liechtenstein is very difficult. Uh, Luxembourg is difficult because they uh, haven't signed the international money laundering laws. And you see, when you get into these type of things, you have a coterie of specific criminal violations. We uh, prefer criminal recoveries. Uh, so if somebody's been involved in conspiracy, fraud, wire fraud, and usually money laundering. Money laundering always comes at the end. People think, oh, it's a money laundering case. You can't have money laundering if you don't have wire fraud. You can't have money laundering if you don't have conspiracy to defraud or bank fraud or embezzlement. Money laundering always comes at the end. 
And most of these countries now have laws, which means know your customer and suspicious activity. But many of the banking havens don't pay attention to it. North Korean drug money is hidden in certain places. Putin owns 1,500 companies in Guernsey. He's probably the richest man in the world. (laughs) Way more rich than Donald Trump or (laughs) Bill Gates. And um, so fraud is, it cuts across business, politics, government. And to answer your original question, we just have more corruption everywhere. We have corruption in government, Mm. business, banking, health care. And part of the corruption is that the world has become so much more prosperous. There's so much Mm. more money to steal. And fraudsters engage in that in a very big way, in a very clever way. And law enforcement is very, very difficult and hard to catch up to them. I'll bet. So what does the process look like? I uh, Maybe I've been defrauded. Someone's embezzled some money or, or something. And now I reach out to John because <laughs> now, now you're on my radar. What, what, is, what does our um, relationship, uh, information exchange, what does that process look like when you bring on a new client? Well, first we do a background on the target, the bad guy. Okay. Second thing is we locate all their assets. We can find anybody's bank account, trust, wire transfer, domestically or internationally. Then the most important thing, we have to determine, was it really fraud or a bad investment? Two different things. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks they lose money and it's fraud. And the FBI is completely overwhelmed. Uh, now the FBI and our firm is getting heavily into identifying digital currency, bitcoins. Uh, we couldn't do it a year ago, but now we can find the balance and transfers of bitcoin. Oh. So there's always new types of frauds, but you have to be sure that it's not just an investment that's gone bad. Yeah. Then you have to, after you locate the money, we have to develop a remedy to recover the money. And there's only a few remedies. <clears throat> and when I say only a few remedies, it's very difficult to get your money back when somebody's taken it. The first thing we do is when we find out something, hey, did the person that took your money, did he go out and buy a Range Rover, a boat, a car, <laughs> spend a lot of money on his girlfriend's jewelry? Does he have any money left? Because it may not be worth going after him Because law enforcement, mainly the FBI or the IRS criminal division, they're only interested in the prosecution. They're not interested in getting money back. They're not a collection agency. So what we do is there's only three ways really to get your money back, Uh, unless you use some mafia thug to visit the guy. (laughs) We don't do that. So there's a civil way. That's civil litigation. You hire a lawyer to sue the person. There's criminal, which we prefer. I'll explain that in a minute. And there's a hybrid, civil and criminal, to get your money back. We prefer the criminal remedy because it's nine out of ten times you'll get your money back if you work with a specific law enforcement group that is interested in the criminal violation while our company is only interested in getting the client's money back. And that's a criminal complaint 
and it's a remedy called MLAT, which is called Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty. I write articles on this. Yeah. It's in the Justice Department, and they will help you get money back in Switzerland or Hong Kong or Bermuda or the Cook Islands, or you can use British techniques called Anton Pillaracts or Mareva injunctions. Because if you look at all the bi- offshore banking havens, they were all run basically by England. Mm. Hong Kong, Bermuda, Caymans, Turks, Barbados, Guernsey, Isle of Man, wow. Jersey, and Cyprus, even Monte Carlo, were all British law. So you use British law in the su- criminal area to recover the money if there's any money left that the fraudster has taken. So you're a prolific writer. You write and teach. you you got a lot of irons in the fire. Speak a little bit to that. Is that accurate? Don't You've written books and articles and all kinds of stuff, haven't you? Well, most of my books and articles are on national security. I wrote the official history of the CIA, <clears throat> FBI, uh, and uh, things we use in our terminology like targeting and counter-espionage, but most of my background has been in what we call FCI, that's foreign counterintelligence. So over the years, I've worked against what we call criteria countries in this country. Criteria countries, it's not a secret, are Russia, North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, China, and in the National Security Division, they're Iran, Hezbollah, the PLO, people that are working against us. And over the years, the FBI, which is the premier counterintelligence organization, has been overwhelmed by both the Chinese and the Russians coming into the United States to both steal secrets and basically bribe a lot of our leaders to go along with them, especially the Chinese. They're brilliant at uh, uh, this. In fact, I came up to Georgia because I worked on a Chinese case. Which, uh, you know, the people know that the Chinese steal intellectual property, mainly right. technology. Yeah. But let me tell you what they've done in Georgia. This could be a whole separate show. <laughs> they have come into Georgia, Chinese intelligence, and they steal all of our seed, tobacco, cotton, apple, soybean, Whatever we grow, they come into our universities. Sometimes they co-opt professors. They give them a free trip to China and a few other perks when they get over to China. And the professors think it's great. And what the Chinese do, they take our seed, send it back to China, re-engineer it, come back, sell it at a discount rate, and put our seed businesses out of business. And that's just one of the things they do. They, Of course, they're involved in technology theft. They're involved in business theft, strategic alliances. They're really our main adversary now. I mean, the Russians steal things, but they can't get it into production. The Chinese (laughs) get it into production. (coughs) So, Brian, how would you feel if John Quirk were on your tail? (laughs) If you Uh, got wind, John Quirk was hunting you down. I don't think I could hide. No, no, I don't. <laughs> what yeah. are you going to do? Catch me if you can. I think he catches you. Yeah, I think so, too. So we're very focused on uh, trying to get money back for our clients. We do yeah. some pro bono work, mainly for seniors who don't have a lot of money, who are a very yeah. big target of fraud. 
And what we try to also do is on the federal level, we have great people at the FBI and the IRS that that know how to target and develop criminal cases with the U.S. attorneys. On the local level, the economic crime units at the local police and the state police need better education and need better money because there's so much fraud. When somebody comes to them, they usually don't take the case. They just don't have the resources to trace money to Switzerland, or they don't have the resources to build a case against them. And this is a very, very big problem. You know, with all the problems in the United States that we have, crime and fraud is increasing dramatically. So does the layperson who does not know uh, about you guys, do they typically, uh, if they're, you know, fired up and want to do something because they've lost money or their mom got swindled, do they typically go to their family lawyer first and then the lawyer connects you guys? Or how's Yeah, that? sometimes uh, in the U.S. they go to a lawyer. Okay. In divorce cases, of course, they go to a family lawyer who's right, looking right. for assets and a spouse. A spouse is hiding money, right. so they contact us. And then also uh, word of mouth. Right. Internationally, it's a little different. We're we're very well known internationally. Uh, I spend part of the year in France. I lived in France twenty years, and uh, I've lived in Turkey and a number of other countries. So we know most of the people in the banking havens, whether they're international lawyers, or uh, we do a lot of anti counterfeiting work for companies like Gucci, Veragamo, Polo. Uh, uh, Louis Vuitton, Hermes, and now we used to do what's called buy bust. We we do a, a buy of counterfeit goods, counterfeit pharmaceuticals, counterfeit AZT, whatever. Uh, yeah. And now we just look for assets of the counterfeiters. So if you find the assets of the counterfeiters, you can put them out of business. So in that regard, most of our business in asset location. of our business is international. So we're always overseas looking for money or developing uh, courses. And in most foreign countries, they don't have a very good system. In our country, we have the Justice Department with the U.S. attorney on the federal level. And there's an old saying, a U.S. attorney can indict a ham sandwich. And uh, (laughs) our laws here are very draconian. If you want to conduct fraud, go to Canada. You have penny stock fraud in Vancouver, investment fraud in Toronto, the mafia in uh, uh, Montreal, and their system for prosecution is very, very weak. Germany, what Americans do here to go to jail for, would never go to jail in Germany. Their laws are just very weak, hmm. and, and they kind of defend the businessman. So there are major frauds overseas, but the prosecutions are not aggressive. And in our country, you have to be aggressive because if not, the fraudsters will just take over everything. I mean, we'll never eliminate fraud. Like, you'll never eliminate the mafia. You just control them from taking over the country. It seems like you would never run out of work. I mean, do you even have to do sales and marketing at this point? Uh, We wanted to grow our company, and the type of outline that Brian Pruitt did at Lake City is exactly what we need because the reason we want to grow our company is we want to get into different areas and we want more revenue. Right. Uh, 
our bigger cases take a longer time to do. We might have to work on a case for two to three months, locating the money, writing the filing, yeah, meeting people. Sometimes, in many cases, we work undercover against the people. We get into their organization. Wow. We become partners with the crook. We work with them. Jeez. We find out who the accountant is, who the bookkeeper is, who the who's doing the wire transfers. And we use some very large sources that aren't secrets overseas, like SWIFT. Uh, when we do a background, we usually get the person's phone calls. So if he's got 20 phone, if Stone Payton's got 20 phone calls into the Cayman Islands, the Barclays Bank, that's a pretty good idea where Stone's hiding his money. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I can tell you enjoy the work. Is there anything in particular, that, like if, when you get a certain type of case, you're like, oh boy, another one of those? Or do you just find joy and in, 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 in satisfaction in a lot of different? Yeah, I think it's the curiosity of uh, how intelligent the bad guys are yeah. and how sophisticated they are. In America, most people go to a lawyer to set up an overseas bank account. Okay. And they set up, maybe they pay 5000 bucks to set it up in Guernsey or Switzerland. But it's not really secret from us. Right. The people like the drug cartels, the Russian mafia, they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to hide money. So they go into Ireland, they set up a company like the Scorpion Trust, they open up an Irish bank account, they take that, mo- they take that documentation, they go to Guernsey, then they go to Guernsey, they go back to Gibraltar, they go to Gibraltar, they go to Switzerland, and then the money will rest in uh, Espiritu Santo in the Cook Islands. Most American businessmen or spouses cheating on their spouse don't want to do that. They're too puritanical, too practical. We Americans are too practical. <laughs> so they don't want to spend more than five or $10,000 hiding a bank account. Right. It's not secret from us. If we're going after people in the drug business, which we don't do, we know that we're going to be defeated early on because it costs thousands and thousands of dollars to locate their, where the money rests. I'm such a boring person. I have, we have, my family has a couple of accounts over at Wells Fargo. <laughs> and here for this studio, I got a little business account over here at Bank OZK down at the corner. <laughs> wow. Well, it's getting more expensive to set up a bank account overseas. You need yeah. at least a uh, million five to open a bank account in Switzerland now. You need ah. three million in Liechtenstein. Gibraltar, you can open up for a couple thousand, but it's not really secret if somebody's looking for it. Um, Guernsey's very secret. Uh, Bermuda's secret. The Caymans is super secret. Panama is not secret anymore. The Bahamas is not secret, as I mentioned. Hong Kong doesn't really have banking secrets anymore. So uh, Americans prefer Europe. They get a trip to Europe. They can visit Luxembourg. They can go to Switzerland, and they open up their bank account there. So, so the gap, if there is one, and I'm not convinced that there is much of one, but but the gap or a place to um, to, to to maybe pull the lever and continue to grow and scale this thing. It occurs to me it's education. It's it's the layperson like me, uh, you know, just the average person knowing that there's a resource available to us um, like you to help us solve these problems. If mom does get swindled or if we if we do have some sort of 
fraud or suspected fraud in in our lives, yeah? Yeah, I write articles for Family Lawyer and Divorce Magazine, and one of the frustrating things that happens in divorce uh, is that it's very difficult to get documents out of the spouse, whether it's a P&L or IRS statements. You're talking about education. Lawyers need to be educated, but even judges need to be educated. Uh Because judges, if you go in with a with a report and say, "Look at it, we found all the money in Switzerland," the judge often doesn't know how to enforce it. Okay, oh. and uh, what's happened in the divorce area, which was civil, you know, you go to a lawyer to get divorced. Right. It's now going into the criminal area, and that's good for us because we do criminal seizures in divorce cases. And what happens is the spouse lies where he's put money. You can't really get them on what's called fraudulent transfer or contempt. Those are very weak civil things. And lawyers often have to keep the case going, and it never ends almost, where when the spouse lies in court and he hides money overseas and you get into money laundering, that's a criminal violation Uh in the divorce setting. That's happening more and more. All right, so if our listeners want to learn more, and get more educated. There's, clearly, there are some resources they can go and read about it, but they also might want to have a conversation with you or someone on your team. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I can send them articles I've written on uh, how to locate assets overseas. We've done a number of podcasts. They can contact us at our website, which is www.assetlocationrecovery.com or I-R-G-G-L-O-B-A-L at AOL.com, or our phone number, 954-744-6085. We're a family business. My son is a cyber investigator. He has advanced degrees in hacking and cyber investigation. And my wife is a former intelligence officer from Venezuela. She runs our domestic company. My older son uh, was a U.S. attorney. He was a prosecutor. So we have a few other uh, spiny creatures around in the company with different kinds of backgrounds. We have a former KGB guy that's very good when it comes to things in Russia and so on. So we, we have that expertise to and we would be able to tell you early on before you spend any money whether the case is worth doing or not. It sounds like you've got most, if not all, the bases covered on, on these topics. Almost. <laughs> John Quirk, thank you so much for a fascinating, informative, a wee bit scary, but interesting and intriguing conversation. Really appreciate you coming down and, and visiting with us this My morning. pleasure. Thank you. All right, this is Stone Payton for our guest today and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Cherokee Business Radio. Cherokee Business Radio.